This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. We've been down this road many times before. If the government is consistent about one thing, it is this. It has an unnerving tendency to exploit crises and use them as opportunities for power grabs under the guise of so-called national security. Cue the emergency state, the government's Machiavellian vision of crisis management that justifies all manner of government tyranny in the so-called name of national security. Terrorist attacks, mass shootings, unforeseen economic collapse, loss of functioning political and legal order, purposeful domestic resistance or insurgency, pervasive public health emergencies, and catastrophic natural and human disasters. Do you get it? The government has been anticipating and preparing for such crises for many years now. It's all part of the grand plan for total control. The government's proposed response to the latest rounds of mass shootings, red flag gun laws, pre-crime surveillance, fusion centers, threat assessments, mental health assessments, involuntary confinement is just more of the same. It's a simple enough formula. First, you create fear, then you capitalize on it by seizing power. For instance, in his remarks on the mass shootings in Texas and Ohio, President Trump promised to give the FBI whatever they need. Now that's a quote, whatever they need to investigate and disrupt hate crimes and domestic terrorism. Let that sink in for a moment. In post 9-11 America, Trump promises bode ill for whatever remnants of freedom we have left. With that promise, flippantly delivered without any apparent thought for the Constitution's prohibitions on such overreach, the President has given the FBI the green light to violate America's civil liberties in every which way they want to. This is how the emergency state works, after all. So what does the government's carefully calibrated response to this current crisis mean for freedom as we know it? Compliance and control. For starters, consider Trump's embrace of red flag gun laws, which allow the police to remove guns from people suspected of being threats. Well, it will only add to the government's power. Be warned, these laws, growing in popularity as a legislative means by which to seize guns from individuals viewed as a danger to themselves or others, and yet another Trojan horse, a stealth maneuver by the police state to gain greater power over an unsuspecting and largely gullible populace who follows along. 17 states plus the District of Columbia now have red flag gun laws on their books. That number is growing. In the midst of what feels like an epidemic mass shooting, and mass shootings everywhere, these gun confiscation laws may appease the fears of those who believe that fewer guns in the hands of the general populace will make our society safer. Of course, it doesn't always work that way. Anything, knives, vehicles, planes, pressure cookers, can become a weapon when wielded with deadly intentions. With these red flag gun laws, the intention is to disarm individuals who are potential threats. Therein lies the danger of these red flag gun laws, specifically, and pre-crime laws such as these generally, especially when you put the power to determine who is a potential danger, let me say that again, a potential danger, in the hands of government agencies, the courts, and the police. After all, this is the same government that uses the word anti-government, extremist, and terrorist interchangeably.
This is the same government that has a growing list shared with fusion centers and law enforcement agencies of ideologies, behaviors, so-called affiliations, and other characteristics that could flag someone as suspicious and result in their being labeled potential enemies of the state. For instance, if you believe in and exercise your rights under the Constitution, namely your right to speak freely, worship freely, associate with like-minded individuals who share your political views, criticize the government, own a weapon, demand a warrant before being questioned or searched, or any other activity viewed as potentially anti-government, racist, bigoted, anarchic, or sovereign, you could be at the top of the government's terrorism watch list. Moreover, as the New York Times warns in an editorial, you may be an anti-government extremist, also known as a domestic terrorist, in the eyes of the police, if you are afraid that the government is plotting to confiscate your firearms, if you believe the economy is about to collapse and the government will soon declare martial law, or if you display any unusual number of political and or ideological bumper stickers on your car, believe that or not. According to the FBI's latest report, you might also be classified as a domestic terrorism threat if you espouse conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. Especially if you, and I'm quoting here, attempt to explain events or circumstances as the result of a group of actors working in secret to benefit themselves at the expense of others. Unquote. And are usually at odds with official or prevailing explanation of events. In other words... If you dare to subscribe to any views that are contrary to the government, you may well be suspected of being a domestic terrorist and treated accordingly. Be warned, once you get on such a government watch list, whether it's a terrorist watch list, a mental health watch list, a dissident watch list, or a red flag gun watch list, there's no clear-cut way to get off whether or not you should actually be on there in the first place. You'll be tracked wherever you go you'll be flagged as a potential threat and dealt with accordingly. This is pre-crime on an ideological scale, and it's been coming for a long, long time. If you're not scared yet, yeah, should be. Connect the dots. Start with the government's powers amassed by the government under the U.S. Patriot Act. Note the government's ever-broadening definition of what it considers to be an extremist. Then in add, add the government's authority to indefinitely imprison citizens under the National Defense Authorization Act or the National Security Agency's far-reaching surveillance networks and fusion centers that collect and share surveillance data between local, state, and federal police agencies, and you're up wrong creek. To add that at, uh, the tens of thousands of armed surveillance drones, facial recognition technology that will identify and track you wherever you go, and then to complete the picture, toss in real-time crime centers which will attempt to predict crimes and identify so-called criminals before they happen based on widespread government surveillance. See how easy we've made it for the government to identify, label, target, diffuse, and detain anyone it views as a potential threat, including those who challenge its authority? Yet, as I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, the War on the American People, you don't even have to be a dissident to get flagged by the government for surveillance, censorship, and detention. All you really need is to be a citizen of the American police state. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. 
To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.